you're not alone if you feel this way. It is normal to feel anxious. It is okay to feel anxious and do not view it as this failure. You're human, right? And let's try to help you channel that anxiety into productive means to help you get on with all of those awesome goals that you're setting for yourself. Hello, hello, Emily Abadi here coming to you from the AG studio. You are listening to Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your own big potential. And of course, have some fun along the way. For today's episode of Hurdle Moment, I am talking to Dr. Allison Gabriel. She's an organizational psychologist. She's also a professor of management and organizations at the University of Arizona. And we are talking about the anxiety trap. That's right. We're going to talk about exactly what the anxiety trap is, that vicious cycle that many of us can fall into when it comes to feeling anxious day in and day out. Then we address how to beat it and Dr. Gabriel's strategic tips for navigating what can be frequent bouts of anxiety. Listen, this is something that I have certainly, certainly dealt with in the past and something that I knew I wanted to have an expert on the show to give us some proper insight on the topic. Make sure you're following along with Hurdle over on the socials. It's at Hurdle Podcast. I am over at Emily Abadi. And I'm going to keep this week's intro short and sweet. With that, let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Dr. Allison Gabriel. She's an organizational psychologist. She's also a professor of management and organizations at the University of Arizona. How are you doing today, Allison? I am good. It's a little early here, but I am, uh, I'm going to channel our topic for the day and say I'm excited to be here. I'm not anxious. I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm appreciative of your time. I'm so excited that we were able to sit down. I love when Twitter acquaintances become real life podcast guests. And today we are here to talk about that topic of anxiety and specifically navigating what we will call the anxiety trap. So before you and I get into talking about what the quote unquote anxiety trap is, why don't you give us a little bit of your background and talk to us about what it means to be an organizational psychologist? Oh, yeah. So I... I had a very interesting turn of getting here. And so I became fascinated by just understanding emotions. Uh, if you're like me, you experience a lot of emotions on a given day. Uh, and I found myself in you know, high school working a variety of service jobs where I had to you know, smile, be positive, be happy. And I always found it so stressful. And I was like, well, I wonder if there's ways to study this, to understand how we can make work better for people, to help people understand their emotions more. Uh, and that really drove me into organizational psychology. So I study emotions and motivation and well-being at work. I want to help people understand their emotions, understand what it is that they're feeling, why they're feeling it, and just 
how we can do it a little bit better. Uh, I think one of the biggest misnomers we have is that we shouldn't feel certain emotions, that we shouldn't talk about our emotions, when in reality, those are huge cues of you know what it is that we're doing, uh, how we're pursuing big goals that we might have in front of us. Uh, and so that's really what I'm trying to do in my work day to day is how do we make work better? And how do we make you understand your emotions a little bit better? Uh, and anxiety is one of those emotions that I think is so common and so tricky. We all feel it. And if you're like me, you don't really know what to do with it when it first happens to you. You just feel the, the sweaty palms, the panic, and you're like, okay, something is off. And, and how do I fix that now? Right, right. And I, I find that so interesting, the idea of us feeling as though we're not supposed to have emotions. We're not supposed to tell people how we really feel. It's like that blanket question that we answer a zillion times a day. How are you doing? And 99% of the time you say, I'm good. But 99% right. <laughs> of the time, that's probably not how you're actually doing. Right, right. It's like this, it's a social script, right? It's the small talk of like, oh, I'm good. How are you? Like, what would happen if we were walking and be like, I'm actually really anxious today, or I'm struggling, I'm fatigued. And, and for me, actually, that's something I would love to see happen is that we feel more authentic with our emotions and say, you know what, here's how I'm feeling. And can we talk about that? And can we work together to figure out what can I do? Or is there anything you could do to help me to make this feeling that I kind of want to go away, go away. Uh, and that's what I tend to do with people that know me pretty well if they ask me that question. And I'd love to bring that and normalize that more in conversations we have every day with other people. I feel the issue with that is that a lot of individuals aren't actually seeking the authentic and real response. Like if I was to look at someone I don't know very well and be like, you know, I'm actually pretty tired. I was up late last night because I have a lot of anxiety about one of my close friendships being a little rocky at the moment. That person would look at me and be like, okay, thanks for TMI. <laughs> right, right. Well, because we have these social scripts that we're only supposed to smile and be positive and be happy. So when you deviate that from that, people are like, wait, what? Like, what did you just say? And so, you know, I, but I think that's getting down to who we are authentically as people is we feel all these emotions, even the most positive person in the world has days where they're off. And let's try to break the stigma of that and let people say, you know what, I'm off today. Uh, I have a really big deadline and I'm kind of panicking. And let me tell you why I'm panicking. And maybe we can troubleshoot that together. I would, I would love that. I think that's what we need to head towards uh, to make people feel less alone in their feelings. Because when you feel anxious or other emotions like loneliness or resentment, these things that we view as really negative, they really start to spiral and build on each other because you're like, oh, it must be, it's just me, right? I'm the only one who feels anxious right now. I'm the only one who feels lonely right now. Uh, so the more we talk about it, the more we can break that down and really help people. You know, someone said something to me once that really resonated with me in that you don't need to talk about the whole thing before you're ready, but you can talk about the fact that you are feeling some kind of way without divulging like all of the massive details of your personal life. Mm -hmm. So maybe someone is feeling overwhelmed. I gave that example of like a friendship being on the rocks. You could just say something like, I am feeling so overwhelmed lately. And that in itself is like highly relatable because of what we got at as we got into this conversation that people aren't always opening up about the fact that not everything is, you know, roses and sunshine all the time. Right, 
Right. Absolutely. And, and that's something, you know, if I'm going to study this, right, if I'm going to study emotions and I study it mostly with employees at work, with coworkers, then I'm going to model it. And so this is something that I try to do when I talk to someone where even if I don't know them super well and they ask how I am, I'm like, oh, you know, I'm really tired today. Like Eleanor, our toddler gave me a run for my money yesterday. I'm exhausted. I'm behind. I'm stressed. Uh, and then we kind of talk about that. And, and usually they'll reciprocate and say, oh yeah, you know what? I'm kind of feeling that way too. And it, to me, it kind of breaks down barriers in social conversations because it immediately bonds you to somebody else. So like, oh yeah, you're, you're human too. Like you're, you're feeling stuff. Like we're both feeling things. Look at us. <laughs> Look at us now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Uh, Eleanor, I'm assuming being your child and not a coworker. Correct. Yeah. Eleanor. Yeah. I don't have a, a coworker running around my house uh, yelling at me in the morning. It's just, <laughs> just a two-year-old. <laughs> just a two-year-old. Okay. Okay. Well, as I mentioned, we're here today to specifically home in on the emotion or the feeling of anxiety. So why don't you kick things off for us by talking to us about what it means to fall into the anxiety trap? Because that is more than just sporadically feeling anxious. Right. Right. And, and so, yeah, when we talk about anxiety, there's levels to it, right? So you have the extreme, which is just chronic kind of generalized anxiety disorders. And that's not really what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the everyday anxiety, the the sweaty palms, the heart palpitations, the, the tension you start to feel inside of like, oh, shoot, something big is coming up, or I feel like, you know, I can't handle what's about to happen to me. And what is really, really tricky with anxiety is if we don't recognize that and acknowledge it, it can start to build on each other. And so a really common thing that happens to people when they feel anxious uh, is that they'll continue to ruminate on it. They'll be like, oh yeah, like I am worrying. I am anxious. I'm really concerned about this thing that's going to happen. Uh, and that just begets more anxiety. Um, and so what we're trying to do, what I've been studying for a couple of years now is how do we break that cycle, right? Because anxiety doesn't feel good. Uh, we all know that feeling. I always, uh, you know, if you run a race and you get those like kind of butterflies in your stomach, imagine that just happening all day or on and off all day long. And so the good news is that there are things we can do to reduce the anxiety from happening. And one thing I think we underestimate is how proactive anxiety can make us. So a really adaptive thing we can do when we feel anxious is take a step back and say, okay, feeling this, I think it's because of X, whatever big goal you have for the day is, how can I, what can I proactively do to fix this today, tomorrow, the day after that, and start to chip away at it, right? Uh, we've studied this in job seekers. We've studied this uh, with just like everyday employees. We study it uh, with athletes, right? Of how can I take my anxiety and really set, make it inform my goals so I can get the anxiety to reduce or what I think is really fun, flip it into excitement because anxiety and excitement actually feel the same way in our body. <laughs> so when we're anxious, our heart races. When we're excited, our heart races. Uh, and so we can actually reappraise what we're thinking to get anxiety to turn into excitement. And that's pretty cool, especially when you think about running a race, giving a big speech, uh, having an a, a interaction maybe you're kind of anxious or nervous about. Uh, reframing it can be really, really adaptive for you. <laughs> I feel when you fall into the anxiety trap, so to speak, that as you used, I believe the word can feel really overwhelming, mm -hmm. that 
then starts to get to a place where you literally just feel so debilitated by it and incapable of doing what you're explaining could be really helpful. So for those people that are in the place of what feels like the struggle and the overwhelm, what's like a simple strategy that you may offer them or a series of strategies that you might offer to them so that they can slowly crawl their way out of it? Yeah. Yeah. You nailed it. It's, it really kind of makes you fall into yourself is the way I describe anxiety when it's happening to you day to day. So the biggest thing I think you can do and that I do this myself, I'm somebody who's always struggled with anxiety, which is, which is why I study it. There's a joke in our field that like we study the things we're not good at. Uh, so <laughs> I study employee well-being and anxiety because I struggle with both of those. Um, and, and the biggest thing that I do that fits with our research, that fits with the work we're doing is to, to goal set, to say, here's my big goal, right? And let me break it down now into all of the little things I can do to cross it off my list and to start to feel more control. Because uh, anxiety crops up when we feel like parts of our life are out of control, uh, that our ideal of whatever we want to have happen to us is not consistent with where we currently are. Um, for me, that describes like every big goal I've ever set. I'll look at it and it feels monstrous. And I'm like, how am I ever going to get there? That's debilitating. I'm just going to ruminate on it. Instead, what I can do is say today, I can chip away at this one thing and take a breath. Then I can go on to the next thing and the next. So really goal setting and saying, this is my big goal. Here's all the things that are going to feed into that. That is really, really adaptive. And it's going to help you rein in what feels completely uncontrollable to you. Right, right. So smart goal setting, specific, measurable, yeah. attainable, relevant, yes. and time bound. We talk about that on the show all the time. But oh, yes. that strategy of being really intentional about the things you want to get done for the day is maybe making a to-do list of three things that are within your wheelhouse instead of 22 that just right. feel like the big monster the second that you put your eyes down and look at a pad of paper. Right, exactly. And, and uh, yeah, the SMART acronym, uh, that's something I talk to executives about, my undergraduates about. It, it's so informative and it's so simple and actionable. And yet I think when we feel anxious, that's one of the things that goes completely out the window, right? Because the anxiety... Uh, for me, at least, it always manifests as this really cloudy feeling where I'm just like, oh, I feel like I'm swirling in it. I can't really see what it is that I want to do. And so I need to physically goal set and start to write it out and say, all right, this is how, what I'm going to do to make this more actionable uh, today. Here's how it's going to help me tomorrow. And here's going to help me the day after that. Kind of counterintuitively, one of the worst things you can do when you feel anxious is to tell yourself to calm down. <laughs> It's completely incongruent with being anxious. So if your heart's racing and pounding out of your chest and you tell yourself to calm down, that, that's not going to do anything, right? You're going to be like, I can't calm down. I, I feel my heart. It's not going to work. But regulating that and trying to plan uh, to reappraise, all those things are really helpful for you when you feel anxious. <laughs> taking a break from today's episode to give some love to my friends at AG1 from Athletic Greens. I have been on a kick of really thinking about my immunity. I feel like right now between spring colds, spring allergies, this other variant, I won't even say the C word. Anyway, immunity, it's important. And so that is where literally every morning I feel so confident in my decision to shake up a bottle of AG1 from Athletic Greens. The other day, my dad asked me how much vitamin C comes in one serving of Athletic Greens. And let me tell you, 
It's 420 milligrams. That's 467% of your daily value. It's also got zinc, which is super critical when it comes to overall immunity and giving your body what it needs when it's feeling a little down and out at 15 milligrams, 136% of your daily value. And those are just two of the unbelievable vitamins and minerals that come in your regular serving of AG1 from Athletic Greens. In fact, it's got 75 whole food source ingredients as well as prebiotics, probiotics, adaptogens, and superfoods. It is my immunity superpower, my nutritional powerhouse. It's the best and I love it. I get a lot of questions about what it tastes like. I think it tastes a little sweet. It's got hints of pineapple in there. It's not grassy like other green beverages that I've tried in the past. And it's my go-to. Of course, you should get in the AG1 action today. And if you do so, you can get five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D. Head on over to athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get yours today. Again, that web address is athleticgreens.com slash hurdle to get freebies with your first purchase today. Let's get back to it. Now, a lot of what you described, uh, kind of feeling like you're swirling, so to speak, uh, that feeling of overwhelm, you know, there are so many different things that those symptoms, so to speak, could be in line with. Maybe it's burnout. Here we're talking about anxiety. Mm -hmm. I know when people that I've spoken to about their experience with depression, those have been examples of maybe what they felt during that time as well. For someone who's unsure, perhaps, of what it is that they're really navigating, what advice do you have to offer them so that they can move forward in a productive and helpful way? That is the big question. Uh, And as I said, that's something that I've had to work through. You know, the last couple of years have been super, super difficult. Uh, As a as a new mom and a working mom, I had depression and anxiety and really had to try to figure out where where are all of those sources of anxiety or depression coming from? What are the things that make me feel good and help get all that back into control? Um, And so when you're feeling anxious or you're feeling depressed, because those those emotions can co-occur with each other pretty frequently, which probably isn't too much of a surprise. um, Again, it's really trying to take a step back. And I like to think about my life and my world as like the different roles I have, right? So I'm a mother, I'm an employee, I'm a runner, I'm a wife, I'm a friend, uh, daughter, all these things and try to say, okay, what are the big goals going on in each of those domains Uh, and really start to map it out. Because for me, what that helped me do, um, and we see this happen with people that we study, when you can isolate it, you can say, all right, you know what? It's not that I'm anxious in all of these domains. It's not that I'm depressed or that I'm fatigued or burned out in all these domains. It's this one, right? It's this worker role, or um, this actually happened to me with uh, marathoning. I had to take a step back because the process was really burning me out and I wasn't getting any joy from it. So I had to switch uh, to, you know, shorter races and figure out how I could regain control. Um, So I like to map out here are all the roles I have, here are the big goals, and which Uh, goals am I excited about? Which ones are kind of helping me thrive and bring me joy? And which ones aren't? Where's the anxiety coming from? Where's the depression come? And let's isolate those out then and decide, you know, do I need to modify that situation? Uh, Do I need to refocus on different elements of it? Do I need to completely reappraise what it is that I'm doing? Do I need to abandon it? Right? And we talk, I, 
I talk about this all the time, that this idea of like goal abandonment, of letting go of a goal. We view it as like this, like, oh, you failed. When in reality, I think what you just did is you reclaimed part of yourself, right? You said, you know what? That wasn't serving me anymore. So that's where the anxiety was coming from. That was making me feel like garbage. Bye, right? And that, that was a hard lesson and pill for me to swallow for a long time. But once I did, I was like, oh, look at that. I just freed up a huge amount of my emotional energy. Uh, so uh, that's what I like to do whenever I'm like in the, oh my gosh, I can't go on kind of moments. It's, where is it coming from? And, and how do we fix that? It doesn't mean abandoning it or changing it or, or whatever that may be for you. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that experience because I feel like that experience is one that's super relatable, right? This idea mm -hmm. of goal abandonment is something that so many people can really sympathize with. And the, the thought that, we need to come back to the joy in going after the things that we quote unquote want. And if there is no joy in your process, then maybe you mm -hmm. need to take a step back and reevaluate that goal that you originally set for yourself. So that example that you gave of falling back from marathoning and looking at shorter distances, it involves a lot of the same methods, but they are very different. And so right. the, the thought process that you went through and the wisdom that it took to identify, okay, what would allow me to do this thing that I like and actually enjoy it is really big <laughs> right. of you. Right, right. Well, and it's, it, I think as a society, right, and we're just programmed to not want to do that, right? We like the biggest of big goals uh, and we view anything that falls short of that as a failure. And instead, I just think it's you recrafting your life in a way that serves you where you are right now. Uh, you know, I started running marathons and studying emotions in graduate school, right? And graduate school, Allie, very, very different uh, than 36-year-old Allie, professor, new mom in a pandemic, right? Like those goals that I have of these different life stages kind of conflict. Uh, and it took a while to realize that. But then once I did, I was like, oh, look, I can make all these things fit a little bit better. I can combat uh, feelings of depression or anxiety or fatigue and just recraft my life in a way that's serving me right now. And we see lots of powerful examples uh, of that. We're actually studying uh, working moms who have postpartum depression right now. And that's a big part of their journey is saying, you know what, I've had this really difficult thing happen to me. And now I'm going to radically recraft my life in a way that's going to serve me finally, right? I'm going to put me first. I'm going to be compassionate towards myself. I'm going to be compassionate towards other people. Uh, and abandon some goals and create some new ones. And anxiety can be one of those emotions that drives that kind of process. Right. And sometimes doing what's right for you, so to speak, can be uh, or can feel a little counterintuitive, which makes it mm -hmm. even more difficult. Uh, so I think that's important to highlight. I also want to go back to perhaps some of the solutions or the strategies that we can use in the in anxiety trap. I know that we talked about uh, setting smart goals and starting with little doables. But beyond that, what other advice would you offer to someone who does feel as though they are in that non-beatable, unbeatable cycle? Mm -hmm. Well, I think there's some really practical things you could do. One is not be ashamed to talk to somebody about that. I think we avoid it. We think that, you know, work or, you know, running or mother, whatever it be, it should not be this anxiety crippling experience, right? That should not be how we feel. So if, you know, I'm, if you're listening to this today and you're like, I've done this, I've tried setting goals, I've tried kind of clarifying this. I think talking about this with somebody asking for help, reaching out, 
there's a lot of really good organizations. Anxiety and Depression Association of America has some awesome online resources to kind of help you figure out, is this a chronic disorder or you know condition that I need to talk to somebody about, or is this everyday anxiety and how do I navigate those? So um, I know I was resistant to that for a while, but talking about that and getting help is really, really important. Um, the other thing though, is that I think again, disclosing this to other people in your life is actually really important too. So when we're talking about setting smart goals and doing that, that's very internal, right? That's you doing work on you. Um, but I think also sharing with people close to you, right? Close friends, close family members, where you're struggling and getting that uh, instrumental and emotional social support for them is really, really crucial. Uh, you know, reaching out saying, you know, I feel really anxious about this work deadline or, you know, this relationship that I have that feels off. You can get somebody else listening to you to say, hey, here's what I hear you saying and let me offer you emotional support or even better, you know what? I went through that too. And let me talk to you about what happened to me in my experience or here's some resources that really helped me work through that. Because uh, again, if we just sit in these emotions, which is kind of what we're programmed to do from a really young age is to not share things if it's not all like sunshine and roses and like glitter, right? We're, we're programmed to kind of sit in them. Um, but that makes it feel really isolating. It feels like nobody else understands what we're experiencing. So reaching out and connecting to trusted close others is something else I would really, really encourage people to do if you're listening to this and you're, you're feeling this now. Such helpful advice and so important to distinguish that there is clearly a difference between talking to one of your dearest friends or a family member about what you're going through and chatting with a licensed professional, right? right. Uh, and I know that there are so many what could be considered barriers to entry when it comes to consulting with a professional that can also feel really overwhelming, which isn't helpful when you already feel overwhelmed. For So for those individuals that are in that predicament right now, mm -hmm. trying to get the help that they so desperately want, what would you say to them? I, uh, having been there, <laughs> I would say to just hold on and again, try to find people in your immediate life that can serve you right now in this moment. Uh, for me, as somebody who studies this, as somebody who experienced a lot of these emotions, knowing that there was somebody there that I could pick up the phone and talk to immediately who would take me as my whole authentic, vulnerable, emotionally messy self was really, really, really important uh, for me. That was one of my best friends. Uh, and also uh, my husband, Mike, who was just kind of watching all this unfold for me personally. Uh, and so it, it is not a uh, permanent solution to getting uh, more significant help if that's something that would serve you. But I think in that moment, having that safe person to call and be like, yep, this is a rough day uh, is so important to find that person. And, and if you don't have that person, come find me. Uh, no, I, mm -hmm. I, but truly, like I think reaching out to somebody or connecting to somebody, uh, it's happened. I've, I've made so many friends through like Twitter and Instagram and like virtual friends through this process. And it's been because we've connected, we've seen things that each other's sharing and we're like, hey, I'm going through that too. And then you start to build these friendships around the shared experience. Uh, and that's really yeah, powerful. Yeah, and I think that what you're sharing here is like one of the benefits that could happen from a difficult situation, yeah. right? The difficult situation being this constant cycle of the anxiety trap. What other benefit can we find when we get through a struggle such as this? I think the biggest thing that we find is just this newfound resilience, right? This newfound understanding of who you are, uh, of what you value. Uh, for me, that's, you know, 
been really, really life altering of having a couple of rough years where there was a lot of anxiety and just varying feelings of feeling really isolated and not knowing what was going on. And now it's given a lot of clarity and given me the confidence that, you know what, I can bounce back, right? I can go through really difficult things and bounce back from that. And so what we'll see is that when people go through a lot of anxiety where it's spiraling or depression or loneliness, these really uh, you know difficult emotions to work through, they come out on the other side with this resilience, with this coping, with this better understanding of what it is that they want. Um, and, and I think the other added bonus is there tends to be a lot more self-compassion for themselves. Uh, we are really hard on ourselves when we feel, when, uh, when we study people uh, who have anxiety at work, they often think that it has a lot of guilt and a lot of shame. Like, oh, I can't believe I can't handle this. I, I'm so mad at myself that I can't cope. We are, I, I will never get over how hard we are on ourselves. And so when we come out of this, the acts of self-compassion, of giving ourselves a break, of saying, you know what? I was good today, right? I, I got done what I needed to get done. It wasn't perfect, but it was good. Uh, I think that is a really important takeaway that I've experienced in my own life. And that, uh, again, some of these working women who are just phenomenal, we've heard them talk about as well. Like, yeah, I got to the other side. And that's pretty, that's pretty darn good. And I'm proud of myself for that. We love that. We love resilience here on Hurdle. Is there anything yes. else that we should let the folks know when it comes to navigating the anxiety trap we haven't touched on just yet? I think we've covered a lot. I think the biggest thing is just, you're not alone if you feel this way. It is normal to feel anxious. It is okay to feel anxious. And do not view it as this failure. You're human, right? And let's try to help you channel that anxiety into productive means to help you get on with all of those awesome goals that you're setting for yourself. We love it. Awesome. <laughs> Dr. Allison, Gabriel, appreciate you for your time today. You offered your ear. So how do the hurdlers keep up with you? How do they follow <laughs> along with you? Give us all of your details. Sure, sure. Uh, so I have a website. You can find me at allisongabriel.com and I'm under LinkedIn or on LinkedIn under the same name. Uh, you can also find me on Twitter at Prof A.S. Gabriel and you'll see me talking about research and food cravings and then usually random pictures of Eleanor and our uh, herd of cats that we have somehow acquired over the last few years. We love it. We love it. <laughs> I am over at Emily Embody and at Hurdle Podcast. Another hurdle conquered. Catch you guys next time. <laughs>